0: Hello and welcome to Silk Road Risings in Dialogue, a podcast dedicated to the lively exchange of ideas and experiences. Silk Road Rising is a community centered art making and art service organization rooted in Asian, Middle Eastern and Muslim experiences. Through live theater, digital media, and arts education, we challenge disinformation, cultivate new narratives, and promote a culture of continuous learning. I'm your host, Jamil Khoury, co-founder and co-executive artistic director of Silk Road Rising. On this episode of In Dialogue, I'm continuing the conversation with my dear friend, colleague, and collaborator, Dr. Michael Malik Najjar, Associate Professor of Theatre Arts at the University of Oregon. This is the eighth of nine conversations I'm having with Malik, exploring the Arab American and Middle Eastern American theatre movements. In our previous episode, we interrogated perceptions of race by posing the question, are Arab Americans and Middle Eastern Americans white? In this episode, we're exploring the intersectional identities of Middle Eastern Americans. This conversation was recorded on August 23rd, 2019. Welcome, Dr. Michael Malik Najjar. Middle East and Middle
1: Eastern Americans are very complex you know we cannot it's very dangerous I think to essentialize and sometimes we do that right I mean a term like Arab American can be very essentializing and I understand that I've written about it uh, and I write about it but I also keep in mind that not everybody believes that they're you know from an Arab background uh, even if they come from an Arab speaking country as we had spoken in previous Uh, episodes, and I think it's the rich mosaic of the Middle East that makes it so diverse. I mean it's a very diverse place, Uh, but that unfortunately gets lost in translation when we talk about it within the American context. All of a sudden you become just a sort of single hyphenate, Iranian-American, Arab-American, Jewish-American.
0: And yet I feel with our Middle Eastern American communities, particularly within the theater community, or communities, uh, there is an almost immediate uh, or, or an inherent impulse to explore one's own intersectionality, Absolutely. without even necessarily naming it as intersectionality, uh, because we're so aware of the, that complexity that you just referred to. Uh, and, and I'd be interested to, to hear you, you speak about um, how, how, in your work, you've seen artists kind of, you know, disentangle these various aspects of of their identities and particularly uh, women artists who are addressing what it means to be um, a woman in X community
1: well our our female solo performers are amazing because they're giving these testimonial plays that are very much based in their identity as um, as women as women in America, as women of these different cultural backgrounds, religious backgrounds. Um, I think what is so wonderful about a lot of these solo pieces is that they, they, go, they, they tend to dig even deeper than some of the plays do in the sense that they're so based in the performer's uh, background and identity that they spend more time on that topic than they'll spend say on uh, the protagonist antagonist Conflict right. that might be in a play. Um, so I think to I think about plays like um, Nine Parts of Desire by Heather Raffo, where she explores her Iraqi Christian heritage. Um, I think about plays by Leila Buck, who explores her Lebanese Christian uh, heritage. Uh, her, her, her
0: Lebanese Christian and
1: Muslim and heritage. And Muslim heritage. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, Jennifer Zaja, who talks about her Palestinian Christian. Uh, heritage you know there is a very wonderful uh, richness to all of that that I think is also something they wrestle with because they're when they when you 're brought up in this country it 's very easy to just be told that you are one thing you know you're now you 're American <laughs> and you kind of off all those other things but once you start adding all the different layers of complexity as to what your actual identity might be i think that we find just a very a very rich tapestry there to explore theatrically
0: i think so many of us i mean several of the artists that you just named uh, and and certainly myself included we're of mixed backgrounds absolutely uh, and we we tend to gravitate to to the middle eastern heritage as the marker or the signifier, in no small part because that's the heritage under scrutiny or under attack or under siege somehow. And so it becomes almost a uh, a political responsibility of, of sorts. And also, you know, certainly in my case, I am much closer to the the Syrian immigration, you know, the, my father's migration to this country uh, because my Slavic side was a few generations before. Uh, and I have a lived experience of, of li- being in Syria, living in Syria, spending time with an extended Syrian family. Um, but I, I do think, though, because it is an identity under duress in, in, so, many, in so many ways that we feel compelled to maybe accentuate. Uh, sometimes I think if I'm just saying Arab American, that I'm 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 am erasing my mother, or I'm sort of denying. And so the qualifiers become important. Yes. And and I think different mixed blood artists will navigate that differently. You know how we choose to to talk about our our heritage, our cultural heritage in its in its totality. Uh, and and it's t- it's it's difficult. You know it's it can be it can feel like a a push and pull uh, kind of thing,
1: especially when we're in our communities where, say, we don't speak Arabic well enough, <laughs> yeah. or we don't yeah. perform cultural norms properly, because you know we're we're bicultural, tricultural, whatever it may be. It, it's it's a difficult negotiation, and I think that that is something that those of us who were born and raised in this country uh, th- that that is our say. Uh, quote-unquote, cross to bear uh, in a way that um, our parents uh, had to deal with issues of accent, language, uh, custom, you know, those sorts of things. There is a difference there, but yet they're both intricately connected.
0: What about the question of uh, how gender gets portrayed? I mean, we talked about the female solo artists. Uh, There's also been this, uh, this idea that, women from Middle Eastern cultures are, you know, by definition victims, victims of the culture, victims of social mores or or religious practices, uh, this kind of thing. And it feeds into uh, some of the Arabophobia, the Islamophobia, much of the racist discourses, you know, where you have someone like, uh, like Barbara Bush, who becomes a feminist overnight when it comes to Bombing Afghan villages to save the women, uh, even though you know you're you're killing the women. At the same time, we want to talk about real gender oppression and gender injustice that occurs uh, around the world, and you know, and and and, and certainly in, in Middle Eastern communities. Uh, as well. How have you seen that? Uh, is, is that a tension? Is that a problem? Is that a challenge? Well, I think that one of the beautiful things about, for instance,
1: our female performers and playwrights is, look, they, they talk about the strength of our the women in the Middle East. There is a great strength there, especially when it comes to the family, keeping families uh, together, keeping traditions alive, et cetera. Um, but yes, there's also having that critical distance, that ability to look at what's happening in the Middle East and saying there are patriarchal structures that are keeping women from achieving their fullest potential. And I think that that is their gift. They're able to see this situation from both sides. They can both recognize the strength of the matriarchal figures in their lives and in their culture, while at the same time looking at the Middle East and saying there are patriarchal systems such as... um, some endogamous systems, some uh, uh, patriarchal systems regarding inheritance, for instance, that are actually keeping women suppressed and unable to really achieve the kinds of things they'd like to achieve. Um, Of course, that is also tied into all of the other struggles that are going on. I mean, when you're living under occupation, when you're living in a war, when you're living in a, a tense religious uh, situation where there's religious conflict. You know, a lot of those issues take second, they have to take second position to the fact that there's just basic survival going on. So I, I think that it's a, a very complex, um, multifarious um, situation that these women are, are trying to address in their plays and trying to really wrap their arms around because uh, unfortunately, you know, there are, there are so many things that
0: are, they're up against, if you will,
1: and they have to address them all in some manner
0: without once again feeding into these kind of you know, notions that are so powerful within American oh. culture or Western culture is about you know, we need to save the women. Absolutely. We need to somehow liberate them from their men. Right. And, and, and erasing the fact that there is feminist activism on the ground, that there are, you know, Muslim feminisms yeah. and feminist activists. I
1: know, uh, if you hear uh, one speech by Noel El sadawi in yeah. Egypt, you'll, you quickly realize there, there are no wilting uh, uh, violets there in the Middle East. There, there are women that are, are, are our colleague of- Sahar Rasef, yeah. a brilliant theater professor and theater director and actress in uh in lebanon doing great work um you know over and over again we could come up with a whole list of amazing women working in the theater who are um who are speaking out against the the patriarchal rules that have been placed on them, um, but at the same time saying, we are women on our own terms and we will not be treated as victims. We are not victims. We are strong women who will stand up for what we believe in, uh, no matter what the prevailing um, male order of the day may be. And I I give them great credit for that.
0: Absolutely. And, And what about the suggestion that Middle Eastern men have been portrayed a certain way? I mean, certainly if we look at uh... the the larger culture mainstream culture where their portrayals are overwhelmingly negative uh... and ascribing violence ascribing a kind of savagery uh... to middle eastern men uh... it 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 somehow becomes our responsibility again to debunk and and disentangle uh... that that kind of imagery but you know the messaging that we should be afraid of middle eastern men we should be afraid of muslim men And they are going to uh, harm the the, you know American women or or white women or uh, or however we want to put that. Uh, In your work, have you have you you know have you contemplated uh, those scenarios or those? And we have playwrights that are doing that.
1: I mean, Yusuf El Gundi, who's a, a colleague of ours and a brilliant playwright, he he talks about persecution and how it works against. Uh, a lot of Muslim males, for instance, uh, in, in uh, the U.S. context. Um, if you look at the plays of Ismail Khalidi, you know, again, he writes uh, very strong Palestinian characters that are dealing with a lot of complex issues regarding uh, the Israeli occupation or whether it's about persecution of Palestinians in America. Um, you know, there are, I think these writers, the the trap that they're trying to avoid is again trying to uh, paint everybody as good and angelic you know that's not that that's simplistic and that's more melodrama than it is complex drama and these writers are writing complex dramas and so on the one hand they'll write a very complex character uh, like Yusuf's character in Back of the Throat for instance Khaled Um, but at the same time he's also showing that the character has the same human foibles that all characters have, that they're not immune somehow to those things. And I think that is one of the powerful things, is that these writers are not afraid to say, I'm going to show this person in their full dimensionality, their, the warts and all, as Yusuf would put it. Yeah. And and by doing so, um, hopefully you'll come away understanding that this person is not monolithic and also they're not perfect. You know, that there, there are people that have all of these tendencies but yet you cannot just instantly portray them as terrorists either, as is often done in American popular entertainment.
0: So for the longest time, and certainly at you know, earlier stages of my life, uh, I was somehow told that uh, I, could be, I could be Arab American and I could be gay, but I could not be both at the same time. Uh, <laughs> that I somehow had to bifurcate or separate or segment uh, these These components of my identity uh, and I, I I refused i just <laughs> i 'm not doing that, so you know somehow this has to work together um, and you know certainly contending with homophobia in arab American circles and also confronting anti arab racism in um, in in queer circles uh, you know and and what does it mean to uh, to, to navigate identities that are somehow pitted against each other and are somehow seen as um, conf- you know, in conflict. I will say that within our movement and within our, our communities, um, there is a, a, a strong acceptance and embrace. Of, of the multiplicity of either gender expressions or you know, s- sexual identities. And I think a, a, a sort of awareness that um, there has to be space for this kind of, uh, uh, I, I'm not saying there haven't been problems. Right. I'm not saying there hasn't been pushback. Right. And the fact that these signifiers or markers or identity you know, categories don't necessarily play out in the homeland the same way they do here. That's true. That's so, true. So that also becomes something to uh, to, to, figure out.
1: Well, and, and we got to remember back in the homeland, in many of our homelands, there is censorship. And so uh, the writers and the directors and actors there have to work in a very interesting way to convey those same messages, but they can't do it overtly. Uh, here, we don't have that kind of Censorship in the same manner um, And I always have believed the theater has been ahead of the curve most of the time in the modern age You know uh, it's it's uh, it's really spoken out a, a, about a lot of issues long before the the culture So to speak ever caught up to them And I think that's what's happening in our Middle Eastern American community a lot of our writers are bringing in their Intersectionality and bringing in their stories no matter what they may be and they're able to talk about them in the theater in a way that our cultures aren't talking about them outside of the theater or the arts or even even in film i think in some ways so i think that's a really powerful statement that that tells us that the the artists and the art itself is flexible enough to allow a space for conversation and dialogue in some of the most complex ways that unfortunately we're not seeing in our
0: every day, you know, in our mosques, our churches, our living rooms, etc. And and other community forums or or even activist forums. That's true. I think the intersection that all of us are, uh, are, are forever grappling with is that between our American identities and our Middle Eastern identities. And also, you know, the questions that surround patriotism, the questions that surround um, a certain kind of self-representation, um, and and the question about choosing, and of course most of us <laughs> refuse to choose and don't believe there's right. you know there's a, a choice on the table that this is a both and equation, sure. uh, it never is either or, uh, but but nevertheless you know we 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 probably pursue this differently, and I think each artist puts their own stamp on uh, what that intersection looks like or, or, or sounds like. I'd, I'd be curious to hear from you. I, I, I'm certain in your work that that, that struggle at times uh, is, is very... Of course, I mean,
1: I think one of the, the frustrations is that we are asked to choose. And I think that um, uh, the, the sense that we have to be all in on one thing, and as, as uh, some of the founders of the nation said, you know, you must eschew your, your previous identity if you're ever to be fully American. Um, I don't, I, I see that as a false choice. And I also f- see it as a false choice when, for instance, our president says things like, if you don't vote for me, you're, you're being disloyal uh, if you vote uh, in a certain way. I mean, I think that there, there, are, there are those who are trying to force loyalty as this sort of like American loyalty Onto Middle Eastern Americans, um, but I, I again I find it to be a false binary because a lot of us have family and friends in that region, and to say we are going to wholeheartedly accept an, an invasion of one of these countries uh, out of patriotism uh, and not question. Uh, how it's going to affect the people on the ground I think is just absolutely unconscionable on some level. So I think that we bring this extra perspective to the table and I think that's a very uh, positive extra perspective that I think um, is often overlooked in American political discourse especially. Uh, the sense that uh, we need to somehow erase our ties or our, our connections to the Middle East when it comes to uh, a sort of blind patriotism. And that's, I think, a danger. Um, And I think in the plays, we're seeing that reflected as well. We're seeing a lot of Palestinian activism in the plays. We're seeing a lot of Israeli-American writers that are speaking out against what they feel the Israeli government might be doing at this time. We see a lot of Arab uh, writers, Arab-American and others who are speaking out against some of the patriarchal Uh, notions that are inherent in some Arab societies and Arab traditions, you know, I think that this is a space to allow for that because you're not allowed that space uh, many times in the Middle East.
0: I've often thought it was unfortunate that many American policymakers don't tap into or leverage our intersectionalities and and the fact that we have this uh, you know, this connection to people on the ground uh, and this concern and 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 that we want to bring what we love about our cultures of, of heritage and what we love about our Americanness. Uh, we want to bring that to the table and we want to somehow uh, you know take the best. And and we want our country or our countries, however you may define that. Sure. Um, to to benefit, sure. Uh, as opposed to the perception that this is somehow a threat, and it can also be perceived negatively from from the Middle East. You know, we have all had to, uh, we've all interfaced with people questioning our authenticity right. or legitimacy. Or you can turn the loyalty question around, um, and and you know, just who are we?
1: Right, and and uh, I think if you look at the plays, if you look at the plays from the Arab world, for instance, over the past few decades, you could see the conflicts that we're now embroiled in coming. You know, the Syrian plays of Sadullah Wanous was. He was a harbinger for the, the Syrian conflict we're seeing today. Uh, if you look at some of the early plays of some of the uh, Lebanese writers in the sixties and seventies, they, they sort of foresaw the, the tensions that were going to erupt with the Lebanese Civil War. You know, there are uh, there are ways that I think art can be the presage for a lot of the things that are coming and I think Middle Eastern American playwrights are doing a similar thing. We're talking about Uh, what's happening in our American politics and almost sending a warning uh, signal out to American audiences saying, look at what's happening over there. How long are you going to turn a blind eye? When aren't you going to see how our American foreign policy, for instance, is affecting these people on the ground? Um, And how, how long can we look away before we find out that this is actually our problem and not just some distant problem in another country?
0: And that hope that you know in us embodying uh, the people who are being somehow painted as or perceived as enemies uh, that through our work we can we can humanize yeah. or we can you know and, and how, how do we humanize? we go when we go
1: back to the homeland and we spend time with our family and our friends there we're we're having di- direct connection with them we're we literally are having human to human interactions that never happen here. You know, Uh, it's always, you know, unfortunately, uh, we live almost on an island here where we're always looking over there as some sort of other place. But uh, I think that we're almost like reporters. We bring back information every time we go to visit family and friends and others in in the Middle East. And we're able to transmit that information through our artworks.
0: A heartfelt thank you to our guest, Dr. Michael Malik-Najjar for such inspiring conversation and a big thanks to you, our listening audience, for joining us at In Dialogue. Bravo to Alex Gresh for recording and editing this episode and to Andy Lin for production managing our show. In our next episode, we'll be continuing our exploration of the Arab-American and Middle Eastern American theater movements with Dr. Michael Malik Najjar by dissecting a hotly debated question, should only Middle Eastern American actors play Middle Eastern American roles? This podcast is a project of Silk Road Rising as a nonprofit organization we rely on the support of those who engage and enjoy our work we hope that you will support our ongoing efforts and consider making a donation to do so please visit our website at www.silkroadrising.org that's silkroadrising.org click on donate and thank you for your support Until next time, keep helping the world heal.